It's time for JT the Brick. Hey, JT, how you doing, man? If you're not behind Mark Davis after this, and you don't think that Mark Davis has the mind to go all in, now you have to look at the situation differently and what he's doing for you as a fan base to give you hope to win. JT the Brick. That's his job. He's the owner of the team. He's got to have an opportunity to win championships. Mark's told me a hundred times in private settings what a Super Bowl would mean to him personally. And it means more to the fan base for him than it does to him. So Mark went all in. Just win, baby. That's what they got to do. And now, here's JT the Brick. And filling in for JT today, here's Harry Ruiz. Raider Nation, final day of mandatory minicamp was today in Henderson at the Intermountain Healthcare and Performance Center. Before jumping into the interview that I have with John Teicher, I want to tell you guys. So I mentioned that game five, game four was on Sunday. No, game four is actually tomorrow in the NBA Finals, 6 p.m. Then game five is on Monday at 6 p.m. as well. And definitely the Warriors need to get a dub out there in Boston tomorrow because if not, they'll be coming back home down 3-1 to one in the series and we know only one team has been able to come back from 3-1 to one down, being down in the finals 2-3-1 to one. and the Warriors, they don't want to put themselves in that position. Raider Nation, wow. Thank you so much for the support you guys have given me over the last couple of days. It's been very interesting this past week not knowing who's going to call the Raiders games on the radio and especially knowing that Brent Musburger is a legend in our industry. He has been broadcasting sports for over four decades and you've seen him national coverage with both, both the studio show networks broadcasting the games and then he joined the Raider family four years ago he did four seasons calling the Raider games play-by-play on the radio with Lincoln Kennedy and he announced last Friday he's not coming back for 2022 and if I want to talk about one legendary broadcaster I got to bring in Another legendary broadcaster, John Teicher from UTEP, the University of Texas, El Paso. He's been calling college basketball and college football for over four decades now. And he's joining us on the line from El Paso, Texas. Teich, it's great hearing from you, man. Harry, how much fun it is to be with you. Thanks for asking. Of course. Hall of Famer, El Paso Athletics Hall of Famer. You received a very prestigious award recently in 1997, the NFF uh, Award that uh, everybody has been super happy for you, the Chris Shankle Award. And now you're going into another season, 40-plus years in broadcasting. How has that been? Boy, uh, how lucky have I been, uh, Harry, to be able to do what I envisioned doing from the moment I left uh, Aviation High School in Redondo Beach, California, for my entire adult life. It's uh, it's kind of been a dream, and uh, although it has, as you say, been more than 40 years, it doesn't seem like it. It's, uh, you know, time passes, and it passes quickly, but so many great games, so many great memories, so many great teams, so many great coaches, student-athletes, personalities. Uh, Harry, it's been fabulous. And someone that has a legendary career as well as you is Brent Musburger. I remember texting with you uh, this past week and telling you he announced that he was done with the Raiders. What does Brent Musburger mean to the sports broadcasting industry? Well, Harry, what hasn't he done? What has Brent Musburger not done almost over five decades, you know, starting in the, in the 19. 19- 
70s. Basically, he was the face and the voice of uh, three separate networks lumping ABC and ESPN together along with uh, CBS. He's done three of the four major sports in, in uh, Major League Baseball, the NFL, and uh, and also uh, the NBA, uh, the NHL being the lone exception. He's done some of the greatest events in, in sports. Uh, he's done just about uh, all of the various uh, sports that you see on uh, on television on an annual basis. So what what has Brent Berg, uh, Brent Musburger not done at a very high level over a span of nearly 50 years? Yeah, and he's one of the most respected voices in sports broadcasting history. And with him, you saw national coverage, of course, like you mentioned, CBS. He was a face of NFL Today when it kicked off. And then you saw him calling college football games, the championships. It was everything that was sports-related. Brent Musburger seemed to be the voice, including a couple of Sumbles out there in El Paso, right? That's right. And I'm not sure, Harry, you're quite old enough to remember his time doing the uh, the NFL today on CBS, but uh, he started with that before ESPN was in existence. So uh, at that point in time, it was basically the networks, and if I recall, it was basically CBS and NBC that were the two networks uh, broadcasting the NFL uh, back in those days. So to be hosting the Sunday morning uh, lead-in show to the podcast, as, as Brent did for, uh, gosh, 15, 20 years, back in those days uh, was really a big deal. And in 2017, he announced his retirement from broadcasting, uh, sports broadcasting, but then he ended up coming back to call the Las Vegas Raiders their final two years in Oakland, their first two years in Las Vegas. How much different is it calling a game for a national network than it is to calling it for uh, the local audience for the team directly with the team? Well, I think it's totally different. And, of course, uh, the difference between radio and television as well. But uh, I think it was a masterstroke of genius, uh, Harry, by the uh, Raiders, obviously looking for some name recognition and a brand-new NFL market. And I think to go out and get uh, one of the caliber with the name recognition of, uh, of of Brent Musburger, although it lasted only three or four seasons, I think uh, certainly gave uh, the, Raider, the, the uh, Raiders some immediate uh, credibility in Las Vegas. Of course, and nationwide, it made a big splash with people knowing that Brent was going to be the voice of the Raiders. Of course, in Oakland, Greg Papa, his, a legend in his own right, but then you bring in Brent Musburger, who, in my opinion, he has to be in the Mount Rushmore of sports broadcasters, right? Yeah, I'd, I'd have to think so. Uh, again, just uh, you know, based on longevity alone, and again, uh, being the uh, the face of three different uh, national networks over an extended uh, period of time, I, I'd say that's fair. We're talking with John Teicher, play-by-play announcer for the UTEP men's basketball and college football teams out there in El Paso, Texas. 40-plus years experience in the sports broadcasting industry. Teich, talk to me about UTEP. A lot of people don't follow mid-majors as much, but me being there in El Paso for four and a half years, I follow UTEP all the time, and you guys have been able to get some great products out there for the NFL. Specifically, you think about guys like Aaron Jones, Will Hernandez, and Nick Needham. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, the uh, the former staff uh, did a, a terrific job getting those guys uh, developed and into the uh, NFL. The program had its best season uh, a year ago 
in uh, in the last uh, seven seasons, uh, going to the uh, New Mexico Bowl game and playing a very competitive contest against uh, the uh, Fresno State Bulldogs. So uh, it's always a battle when you're talking about, uh, particularly Harry, below the uh, Power Five level and uh, and the uh, the turns and changes that uh, ha- have occurred in uh, in Division One sports, but. Uh, UTEP is certainly relevant in its own market. Uh, again, for those that are not aware, and I know a lot of people obviously in Las Vegas are aware of the, exactly where uh, El Paso is located, but uh, if you're not, it's uh, it's quite a ways from just about uh, the rest of the entire uh, civilized world. So uh, obviously, the uh, as you're well aware, the UTEP program is very significant uh, down here in this area. Of course. I remember when I moved to El Paso in 2012, I was like, oh, awesome. I'm in Texas. I'll be able to go watch the Dodgers and Lakers in Houston and Dallas. I'll go to San Antonio. And then I see that the distance from L.A. to El Paso and then El Paso to all the other bigger cities in Texas is the same. I was like, well, I'll just go back home, visit family and go watch my teams over there. Yeah, what puts it in perspective is uh, El Paso is about as close to L.A. as it is to Houston. So uh, Texas is a big state. Yeah, everything's bigger in the state of Texas, including one of the best broadcasters that I've ever had the honor of meeting as yourself, John Teicher. And a lot of folks outside in the sports world, they know UTEP because of Glory Road. And of course, Don Haskins, he was the head coach of those 1966 Texas Western Miners that won the national championship. And you got to work with the Bear for a long time, right? Yeah, he spent 37 years at uh, at UTEP, uh, Harry, and again, uh, guided uh, Texas Western the 66 uh, title. I had the great fortune of uh, spending the final 18 years of his career as, as UTEP's uh, play-by-play voice, and it's one of the greatest thrills of uh, my career. What a great, great coach. Uh, uh, was uh, so skilled to do uh, so much more with less uh, here in uh, El Paso, and just a great uh, Great man and one of the great characters, Harry, of, uh, of sports. I'm not sure that we see quite as many characters today, what with all, all of the media attention and the social media attention. A lot of people tend to button up uh, a little bit, but uh, Coach Haskins was some kind of a character, and uh, the stories uh, that, uh, that surround uh, him uh, never end, that's for sure. Do you have a Bear story, a Don Haskins story that you can tell us that is probably not out there in the world that is that we can tell on the on the air here on Raider Nation Radio? I, I'm not sure, Harry. I'm not sure. Uh, you know, Coach has been gone for about uh, well, almost 15 uh, years now. But uh, um, you know, he was uh, he was just colorful beyond uh, colorful, and uh, uh, probably uh, got away with some things at that time that. Uh, that uh, that wouldn't uh, happen today, uh, as the world has has changed a great deal since that particular time. Nothing certainly that uh, that would have landed him uh, anywhere uh, other than uh, uh, in his day to day life. But uh, uh, Coach Haskins was uh, was a piece of work, that's for sure. He was the king of El Paso, right? Oh, no question. No, no question. Could have been elected uh, to any uh, political office that. Uh, he chose to, to run for, and uh, again, El Paso is always, uh, again, a, a city that's all alone uh, in, in the western part of the state of Texas, all by itself, is always looking for its own validation, and certainly that 1966 uh, national championship was the uh, probably the biggest validation that this city has ever received. 
So I know you're an associate AD with broadcasting at the University of Texas, El Paso. Put yourself in the shoes of someone in charge of electing a new play-by-play announcer. What would you be looking into for bringing in someone to replace a current play-by-play announcer? Well, I think someone that's energetic, uh, someone that's full of uh, energy, uh, someone that has a great passion uh, for what they do, someone that uh, uh, puts in the work necessary to be sure to give the listening public the best possible experience that they can have. I think those are some of the things that uh, that certainly I would look for. But, uh, you know, again, I, I think it starts with just uh, uh, great energy and, uh, and a great, great uh, work ethic. And uh, I think we can do a lot of things from there. Yeah, and it's definitely a hard decision for the Raiders. Who's going to be next? And especially knowing preseason for the Silver and Black starts in less than two months in August 4th. And we'll definitely be checking in to see when that announcement happens. And we'll definitely be rooting for that person to do very well. So John Teicher, play-by-play announcer for UTEP, the University of Texas at El Paso for their college football program and also their men's basketball program. If someone recognizes your name, your last name in the Raider Nation, Teich, can you tell them why they might recognize it? Well, uh, someone I know well uh, is also uh, located in the uh, AFC West. My brother, Adam, who's one of the... uh, more respected uh, national uh, football league uh, writers across the country and has uh, is done it for more than a quarter century is uh, covers the uh, Kansas City Chiefs for espn.com he for years was the uh, the beat writer for the Kansas City Star and within the last decade when the NFL went into all 32 cities and selected uh, someone in each market to uh, represent them online and on their various platforms uh, adam was the choice for espn so Adam Teicher is uh, very, very talented uh, and very, very, uh, very, very well respected uh, uh, talent that uh, that covers the Chiefs for ESPN.com. Of course, so check out Adam Teicher on ESPN.com. John Teicher, you can listen to him on the broadcast for UTEP men's basketball and college football. Do you follow a little bit of the NFL with your brother doing the coverage for the Chiefs? I'm a huge NFL fan, Harry. I have been since I was a kid. Growing up in uh, Southern California, was a huge uh, Rams fan before they moved to, to St. Louis. Not quite the Rams fan uh, now that I was uh, back then. I guess I probably do because of my brother's coverage. Uh, follow the Chiefs uh, perhaps more than any other NFL team. But uh, uh, there's there's very uh, very few things like uh, an NFL Sunday during the, uh, the fall and winter months. And I'm a huge NFL fan. And you used to come out here to Las Vegas recently, what was it, 2018? UTEP UNLV played football out here, or 2019, I think? I think that might have, yeah, I think right around then might have been the last time. You're right. Did you ever think that this town that used to be ran by the UNLV running Rebels with Coach Tark and all those figures with the national championship, it would ever become an NFL town? Well, not only an NFL town, it was first an NHL town. Now I'm here at Harry, the NBA. How soon is the NBA going to be 
in Las Vegas. Well, LeBron said that he wants to own a team, and he wants to own it in Vegas. So if there's a guy running the league that's not Adam Silver, it's LeBron James. So it might be coming soon, and they're talking about building another arena south of the Strip. So it's, I think it's happening. Then baseball, the A's, they're talking about moving to Vegas too. So it seems like if there's a pro sport out in the States, they want to come to Vegas. Well, I, you know, I know there were a lot of doubters, a lot of doubters, but uh, I think you'd agree with me that uh, Las Vegas has proven that it's a professional sports city. Yeah, when I moved out here in 2017, it was like, all right, the Raiders more than likely are coming over, and there's already an expansion hockey team coming. So at least we'll get that, and plus boxing and UFC will be busy. Now I know all the network guys out here in Vegas, they need more hours in the day to get coverage of every single event happening in town. So it's crazy. Well, it's a great thing for the sports world. It's a great thing, I think, for the sports world to have Vegas uh, directly, directly involved in professional sports. And I'll let you go after answering this question, Teicher. John Teicher, University of Texas El Paso, UTEP play-by-play announcer, men's basketball and college football teams. Which has been the best experience you've had calling a college football game and a college basketball game? Well, I think college basketball, the best college basketball game I ever did was in the NCAA tournament in 1992 in Dayton, Ohio. UTEP in the uh, second round of the NCAA tournament was taking on the uh, number one seed in the entire tournament, the Kansas Jayhawks. And on the line was a trip to the Sweet 16, which coincidentally was going to be played in Kansas City, Missouri, right outside the KU's back door. Uh, Coach Haskins, who had been out of the uh, national spotlight uh, for a while, uh, pulled off uh, uh, something that uh, opened people's eyes to him. Once again, UTEP uh, scored the victory and uh, knocked the mighty Jayhawks out of the NC2A tournament. I really believe that UTEP was a team that could have gone to the Final Four. They trailed Cincinnati 10 nothing in the round of 16 and lost by two. I think if they had gotten off to a better start, they, they might have won that game. And football is a little more obscure. In 1985, Harry, in the uh, legendary Sun Bowl Stadium here in El Paso, uh, we're in November, and UTEP had not won a game that season and they upset defending national champion BYU in the uh, Sun Bowl Stadium. It would be the only game that UTEP would win in that 1985 season, but uh, their victory was over the defending national champ. Never forget that one as well. You're an encyclopedia in sports, John Teicher. I had the honor of riding with you around the country for three years when I used to do the UTEP uh, men's basketball and college football broadcast in Spanish, and it was an honor to be able to log all those miles and get told some of those stories, and it's been an honor of mine being having you here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, talking about Brent Musburger and also talking about what the Raiders or other squads might be looking into for a new broadcaster and, of course, UTEP Sports. Where can people find you on social media, John Teicher? They can find me uh, at UTEP Minor Voice on Twitter. That's about the extent of it. Not doing much during the offseason, but at UTEP Minor Voice. And Harry, let me say, so proud of what uh, you've accomplished, and uh, I've really enjoyed the opportunity with you here this afternoon. 
Thank you so much, Taish. And of course, follow John Teicher. Follow at UTEP Athletics as well. You'll see whenever there's a big play, a big play at college football or college basketball, buzzer beaters, nobody better than John Teicher. Thank you so much, Taish. Thanks, Harry. All the best. There you go, John Teicher, play-by-play announcer for UTEP men's basketball and college football program, joining us here today on the JT The Brick Show on a Thursday when the Raiders had their final day of mandatory minicamp at the Intermountain Healthcare and Performance Center. We'll dive deeper into what happened today, and we will hear from the guy that you guys want to hear, Raider Nation, Devontae Adams. He spoke with the media today. What did the former Fresno State Bulldog have to say in the final day of mandatory minicamp. We'll bring it to you on the other side of this break. This is the Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on the JT The Brick Show. Want to call in 702-365-9200. And Daniel Carlson is on to put a little frosting on the cake. A little 47-yarder. Jackpot, baby! Let's go to Cincinnati! Yeah, baby! Jackpot, baby! The legendary Brent Musburger on the call. The final play of the 2021 regular season for the Raiders. Daniel Carlson's 40th field goal scored in the campaign. He scored 40 of his 43 attempts for an amazing 93% effective rate for him with his leg. Amazing. The Raiders have two of the best in the league. AJ Cole is a punter, Daniel Carlson as a kicker. It makes me remind those days when Janikowski and Leckler were a duo and they made those special teams definitely special. No pun intended. And someone that's very special with the ball as well, but him catching it is Devontae Adams, the all-pro wide receiver that the Raiders traded for with the Green Bay Packers. Devontae, he's now in silver and black, and today he spoke with the media after the final session of mandatory minicamp with the Raiders. Here's what Devontae Adams had to say. Your life um, kind of left a little bit of a comfort zone in Green Bay uh, with everything that was going on there. Uh, to come here. Has it been drastic uh, in terms of the change or feel it's been fairly seamless so far? Yeah, it's been it's been more seamless than anything. It's a lot of different, you know, um, than what I'm what I've been used to over the past eight years. But um, I mean, all the changes have been good, though, you know, a lot, a lot more, um, you know, at your disposal, a lot, lot more to do, a lot, lot more, you know, uh, it's just obviously it's a little bit more of a city than than what Green Bay was, and I love Green Bay for what it was, and it you know kept kept me grounded. It's great for a young guy coming in, um, you know, coming into some money, just to hold on to your money and, and kind of make everything about football. But as you start to get older, or if you just um, you know if you're that type of person that can control those type of things, it's it's great for you, um, you know, being in this type of environment. I know you're focused on football and all that, um, but do you ever catch yourself thinking, well, I'm really here with the Raiders right now? Oh yeah, every day. Every day, for sure. I'm, I'm the type of person that, you know, I don't like to stop and smell the roses as far as accomplishments and stuff like that. But as far as appreciation for, you know, what I've, what I've been through and, and, you know, where I am and, 
where I actually am, you know, geographically, um, it's, it's something that I pay a lot of attention to. You know, I, I talk about with my teammates, you know, my friends, my wife, just kind of, you know, because when, when I slapped that jersey on and uh, to do the media day stuff the, the other day, that's when it really hit me. You know, when I put the, that was my first time putting the, the real gear on. So, um, yeah, I, I like to, you know, stop and appreciate stuff along the way. So I've definitely been paying attention to that. Dante, from a football perspective, you've gone through a lot of changes in a short amount of time from learning a new scheme to getting to know new teammates. And even though you play with, with Derek in college, you know, getting to, to work with another quarterback that's not Aaron Rodgers. How have you handled all that so far throughout the offseason program? I mean, we got right back to work just like, you know, and I don't know if I mentioned to you to you guys when I came here, um, you know, right after I signed, but we we were working out together for the first six years of, of our, you know, NFL career anyway because we lived – right down the street from each other once I moved up to Danville. So, I mean, we were throwing probably three times a week for, you know, five, six years. So, um, had about a two-year gap when, when they, you know, the team moved out here. But uh, basically picked up where we left off. And, you know, we both are so committed and, and obsessive over our craft to where, um, you know, even today I messed something up at the end of practice, you know, uh, just a, a subtle thing. And we go back out there after to go, you know, I just want to feel that and do because that's the way we did it before. Anytime, you know, if he didn't if he didn't like a ball he threw in a period, he had me go stand in the spot that I, w that I would have been catching the ball. And then he'll fire it until, you know, he liked how he threw it, which is usually, you know, one more pass. But um, when you got two dudes that have worked together and already built up a lot of camaraderie and, you know, have a close friendship, I feel like that makes it so much easier kind of getting back and gelling, um, you know, the way you were before. Devontae, when a team signs a superstar, the players on the roster can embrace them or not, and all your teammates have talked about you being the leader. What does it mean to you to be embraced by these guys the way they have? It means a lot, man. Honestly, it's, it puts a smile on my face, and it's something that I mention, you know, when I'm talking to my, my loved ones back home that are like, what's it been like? That's one of the first things I talk about. I'm like, man, the respect that I got when I walked in the building, um, you know, from from the players, mainly, I mean, not just mainly, but for sure, I, I pay attention to the players because sometimes, you know, competition comes in, you know, in the wideout room, it may not be, you know, it's obviously going to, you know, potentially take away from some opportunities for other people and to see the way that they've, you know, um, kind of embraced me being here and, um, you know, using me as a resource and, just in, enjoying enjoying the company too. It's been it's been a great feeling. Devontae, last week Hunter Renfro came and talked about how cool it is to play with you, not even just on the field, but your healthy competitions on the golf course. Yeah, I saw he mentioned that. Yeah, he he made it seem like he'd just be killing me out there on the course, but he he's a better golfer than me right now. But you got to take into account, and I don't want to cut off your question, but being in Green Bay, that's seven months out of the year, you know, that I can't play golf. He'd been in Vegas and Oakland, so of course his golf game gonna be where it need to be. Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, it's all good. Just, what is it like just uh, playing with him? It's it's great, man. Um, he's a uh, he's an interesting dude because um, you know I've been around a lot of people that are like Hunter, but they're never usually you know going into their what is this fourth year coming up. It's never been a, a fourth year with the type of you know football acumen that he has and um, his awareness and understanding why he does certain things because there's people out there with a lot of talent but they can't sit there and break it down and tell you why they're you know doing what they did with their footwork or the next rep why they tweaked it a little bit because of the look that they had so um his awareness and his his football smarts is uh, is definitely he's ahead of his time so it's it's actually fun sometimes i'll be sitting there just talking to him like in the middle of an offensive meeting and we'll be talking about releases and he'll tell me what he thought and i'm like you know, this this is fun. This is this is fun being able to be with somebody who's a lot like me mentally. You know, the way that I approach the game, the way I attack it, 
Um, you know, always trying to find little small nuances of whether it's the, something that the defense is doing or if it's what footwork that I do. So um, it's been great. I've been learning from him. He's learned from me. Um, I am going to beat him on the golf course very soon. He's, he's running away going to, to South Carolina, so it'll be a few weeks I can't get him. But once we get a few off days uh, in camp, I'm sure we'll, we'll be picking him back up. Monte, you've been in some explosive offenses. How? What's the potential for this offense? I mean, this this offense has has a ton of potential. We got players all over that have made plays and have have done a great job and been doing it for a long time now. Um, but the potential is is nothing until you put the work in, and we still got a long way to go. So we um you know we're climbing right now, doing all the right things, and um you know learning a new scheme and all of that. But um you know don't really matter till you till you go out there and really put it together. So. Um, you know, Darren is is a, a hell of an athlete. You know, we talked about Hunter. You know, we got Josh. We got a, a lot of running backs too. You know, it's a, a lot of guys in there. I'm excited to see what Amir does. A lot of guys that that can go. Um, you know, make plays and give this this offense the potential to explode. But um, it ain't gonna just happen because we're standing out there. So we got to put that. You know, keep stacking the days and, and put the work in. Devontae, what has it been like for you kind of dissecting the playbook at Josh McDaniels and kind of embracing the new offensive system? It's been it's been a challenge. It's been fun though. Um, you know, I haven't had to learn a new system for quite some time now. Even when Matt Lafleur came to Green Bay, um, you know, having Aaron, he, you know, they they worked and kind of pulled a few things from the old offense that we had um, when when Mike McCarthy was there and kind of brought that to the new offense. So it was kind of half and half. Even then, I only had to learn like a you know seventy five percent of a of a new playbook. So. Um, it's 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 a bit of a change, but I've been enjoying it. It's a, a lot of different things that you know. Josh has a has a incredible football mind, so um, just just knowing things that he's accomplished, which obviously I'm sure he's talked about, and everybody that doesn't really have anything to do with this now. But having you know that that experience like that, and having been to the the the, the big game, you know, almost ten times, that means a lot. And you know, just having that that uh, you know, anytime you can you can bring somebody in who just knows how to win, that gives you a lot of confidence as as an offense. So you know, we we bought into everything that he's he's taught us and everything that he stands for, and we just you know got like I said, got to keep stacking days and then make it about something. Have you and Derek talked to Josh about integrating things you guys are like, or does that come down the road a little bit? That'll be down the road. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, if I'm just trying to make sure I know everything now, you can't really come in, you know, making demands and trying to do all that until you really know your stuff. And that's one thing that I do love about Josh, though. I, I feel like that'll be something that, you know, not changing the scheme, but, you know, tweaks here and there of different things, you know, a little small subtleties that, uh, you know, because I've obviously been doing this for a while, too. So, um, you know, he respects what I what I say and, and you know what I've done. So I feel like that'll allow us to continue to grow and navigate throughout the season, find different ways to beat certain teams. So um, you know, he's definitely always got his ears open and I appreciate that about him. How was work with how was working again with Edgar Bennett easing your transition coming here from Green Bay? Man, he was one of the first people I saw when I walked in the building after I signed and it just put a big smile on my face, man. It was kinda you know, it, it added because I, I don't know as many players or I didn't know as many players on this team as, you know, maybe some others when I when I first got here. So to see a familiar face, also Coach Mo, he was a special teams guy in uh, in Green Bay. So to see some familiar faces like that, it just kind of gives you a sense of comfort. And, uh, you know, a guy who understands what I'm about, he's seen me from literally when I first got in Green Bay. So he's kind of seen the whole progression from young rookie who doesn't know anything to coming in. And, you know, I've kind of established a few things now. So, um, you know, just to be able to work with him again is, is definitely a blessing. Devontae. Uh, have you had conversations with Aaron since leaving Green Bay? And what was that goodbye like? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, we've, we've talked multiple times. And, you know, we talked throughout the whole process, too. And he was he was aware of, uh, you know, where I stood and I was aware of where he stood. And we, we had talks, just like what he said um, the other day. He mentioned we had talks about his future and what he what he thinks his, his duration in Green Bay or just football in general would look like. And, you know, that played into, into my decision as well because, you know, where I'm in my career um, – you know, and this isn't a shot at anybody. Any other quarterbacks are, you know, on the, in Green Bay. You know, I love Jordan Love, especially. He's a he's a great guy. But, you know, I just I got I got aspirations of doing really really big things and and being remembered. And I just you know it just it wasn't really a point in my career that I was willing to to sacrifice. Um, you know, Aaron not being there. You know, after a year or two. So. Um, my decision was to be here, and, and he respected that. He understood that, you know, it has a lot to do with where I want to raise my, my kids, you know, family being closer to home. I mentioned that to you guys when I first came up here. You know, I hadn't my, my grandparents never seen me play in eight years, so to be able to have my family closer and, you know, the, the suites are a lot more expensive here, but now I can have all the pack the suite out with the family and uh, and, and kind of do that whole thing. So we, we've had a lot of great talks. He was in the, the match. I'm sure you all know about that. And, wanted me to um, go play a practice round with him in the morning, and I definitely would have gone and done that, but we had, uh, we had practice here, so he, he, uh, he didn't have to be out there just yet. So we, um, But, yeah, we've had a lot of good talks, man. He, he understands where, I, where I'm coming from. I understood where he was coming from, so we kind of just left it at that. Dante, pardon me for taking the subject off the football field for a moment. Jack Del Rio came under fire for some tweets comparing and sort of minimalizing what happened at the Capitol and comparing it to social injustices and civil unrest. I'm just wondering, miles away from D.C. to Vegas, if it's had a ripple effect and if you have any comment or thoughts. Uh, no, I, I don't have any any comments or thoughts. I've, I've been just burying my face in this playbook, man. Um, just just really, and that's not to you know I don't want. I wish I had something spicier for you, but I haven't paid it. Honestly, I don't even know what you're talking about right now, uh, and that may be bad awareness on my part. But I just been diving in this book and, and trying to enjoy every day here with these guys so far. The other day we were talking to uh, Darren Waller, and he was saying that when he was looking at. Um, old Patriots, well not ultra recent and, and old Patriots film, uh, what he saw that really excited him was a Gronk running wild. Is, was there anything when you watched the, the film um, of, of Josh's offense that's particularly excited you in kind of the same way about your role in this offense? Well, um, yes, but it's, it's not, not in the same sense where I'm watching one guy. I'm excited because I just look at all the routes that are being run, and Josh has such a a way to be able to move me around and move other people around to you know to to be in certain bless you to be in certain you know positions on the field to you know be at, be in the most advantageous spot. So that's that's what excites me is that I know you know and having the company that I have you know having Darren and and really everybody, but Darren and Hunter, those are two guys that you can't you know if you want to come double and triple me, which has happened. Um, you know, it puts a lot of stress on on the rest of the the defense because now they gotta go cover one on one with with Hunter in the slot, and that's that's too much room to give a guy like that to go out there and operate. So, I think about it more of a team big picture, um, and I, I definitely get excited when I see some of the routes. But it's more so just knowing that I can you know be anywhere on the field and be have the potential to make a big play. We're gonna do three more. We're gonna go Ken, Chris, and Hondo. Devontae. Time flies, man. I remember interviewing you at uh, Legacy Stadium at the Venetian years ago, and you were just as humble as you are now. Uh, more exciting to go into that rookie year with Green Bay or more exciting to come mm -hmm. here to Vegas and show everybody that you're still that guy? 
equally excited. I'm equally excited. It's different. Um, going to Green Bay, you're a kid finally being able to fully fulfill your dream of playing in the NFL. So it's hard to, to beat that. But then, you know, following it up with coming back and playing for the team that you grew up loving, it's really hard to beat that too. Um, it's it's tough to answer and, and give you one or the other, but I, I'll say it's equally exciting because both are, are dream come true for me. And, you know, I was able to give a lot and get a lot from Green Bay. Um, and, and the same now. I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to, you know, put obviously I've been compensated now. Now it's time for me to go, you know, do what I do for, for Vegas and, and enjoy my teammates here. So. I just wanted to uh, thank you, though, because my wife's from Wisconsin, so we made it back to Lambeau a couple times to see you there. But as soon as you got traded to the Raiders, my wife is now on board silver and black. Fine. There we go. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. Devontae, I was wondering you mentioned Rodgers. Um, what are some of the maybe subtle similarities or differences between Rodgers and Carson? You've worked with both of them for so many years. Um, whew, that's a tough question. I mean, it's tough to compare. It's, it's really apples and oranges. Um, Derek, Derek. I mean, it's just it's just such a different ball game. I mean, obviously you have Aaron, who's cemented as you know one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game, and you know that's just like comparing me to like Jerry Rice. You know, it'd be tough to do because Jerry's put together what he's done, and it's it's undeniable respect for him. Um, and me, I'm still I'm still going, and there's still a lot that I got to do to be able to be mentioned with Jerry and I and I'm aware of that and I think Derek is also aware of that um you know from a big picture but as far as talent and ability I mean it's really similar if you if, if I'm keeping it real Derek's arm strength and and they throw the ball a lot different like Derek is going to fire it in there and you, you're going to know that things coming quick and Aaron's got the ability to just kind of tighten that core up and just flick the ball to you so the the release is a lot different but being able to get the ball to you late, you know, if they see you coming out of a break. Not many quarterbacks can get it to you before you get to the sideline, you know, if you're outside the numbers already. But having two guys like that with really strong arms and understand the game and, um, you know, the mental part of it is a, another similarity that they have. They both obsess over it and, and they know everything that's going on out there. A lot of times I've seen Aaron call out a blitz when the safety's, you know, 17 yards off the ball, just, just kind of creeping back there. He said in practice, hey, he's coming. And I'm like, what? And then, sure enough, dude comes flying on the snap from 17 yards down the field. So I've seen that from Aaron. And then I've seen Derek literally give me a check that didn't make any sense to me before in college. Here, same thing. And, you know, we, we scored a touchdown on it. So um, a lot of similarities, but but much different. And I think Derek is in a position where he's he's chasing to, to be one of those all-time greats like that, which is, like I said, um, that's not a slight on Derek whatsoever. I wouldn't be here if I was, if I was slighting Derek. But... Um, I don't think that I'm ready to compare myself to Jerry Rice just yet. We'll see when it's all said and done, um, you know, or after some more time, just to, to be fair um, overall. And, and I think the same is with Derek. We're, you know, we both chasing it and still got a lot in front of us. <clears throat> Devontae, in professional sports, you see a lot of guys sign the big go places they're not happy. Yeah. Watching you around the facility practices, I mean, you genuinely seem to be loving where you're at. Time of my life. At this time in your life, can you describe that feeling to not only got the respect of the payday, but to be in a place that you're so happy? It's, it's hard to explain. I mean, that's that's another thing is, like, I'm sure everybody talks about, you know, you guys have heard Green Bay offer this, which is higher than what I was, and all of that. And, and yeah, I'll, I'll say it. it. It was true, okay? It was true. 
but like I said, there's much more that goes into it, and, and family is a big part of it for me. So geographically being here, it makes it a lot easier for me to stay connected to my family year-round. And, you know, this, is, this isn't this is year two, or I'm not trying to necessarily fight for a job or anything like that to where, you know, you got to do what you got to do. You got to just stay out there. You know, I, I had the, the, the choice, and the choice was for me to come here and, you know, raise my family on the West Coast and, and come out here and, and have some fun in the sun. And it's, it's starting to get incredibly sunny, but it's uh, – we got ghosts here too, apparently. But, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's hard to explain. I just this is this is what I I thought about. You've seen the pictures of me as a kid in the, in my yearbook saying NFL NBA star. That's what that's what I want to do. Devontae Adams, NFL NBA star. And you know sometimes you just got to manifest it and uh, and throw your jersey on and see if you can kind of you know they say history repeats itself. So so here we are. Were those gold cleats you wore yesterday Madden cleats? Those were those were those were last year's. Yeah. Last year's one, so we'll see. We'll see what the ones look like this year. All right, thanks everyone. There you go, Devontae Adams, Raiders wide receiver who got traded to the Silver and Black back in March, and this is the first time we're hearing from him in pretty much two months and a half. So thank you to the Raiders PR squad led by Will Kiss and, of course, Cam Russo, who allowed Devontae Adams, who have a lengthy uh, media session today, a press conference, to talk with the media. He confirmed that Green Bay offered him more money, but he wanted to come to Las Vegas. He wanted to be with the Raiders. He wanted to be closer to family. And this city was a home run for him so he decided to come over here another thing that i love that he said was that aaron Rodgers offered him to play golf with him in the practice round ahead of the match that happened last week on june 1st but that Devonte adams preferred to practice with the raiders in the ota session that they had in henderson at the intermountain healthcare performance center that shows you the dedication of this guy instead of golfing with one of his former teammates which is considered one of the best quarterbacks in the league, he preferred to be with his current teammates out on the field, grinding, working hard, and getting that working on the field. So good for Devontae Adams right there. So here's a nugget. J.J. Watt, who plays for the Cardinals, they had an OTA the day of the match. J.J. Watt was in Vegas. He preferred to be here. He worked for TNT. He got a little extra money for being on the broadcast of the match. He didn't participate in the OTA. Devontae Adams, I'm pretty sure TNT would have paid him some money. Aaron Rodgers would have loved to be on the golf course with him. He preferred to be donning the silver and black, being at practice, and putting the work in with the Raiders. So good for you, Devontae Adams, and everything that I heard from him, I loved it. Right there. Respect. He has gotten it from the players that he's with in the in the room, and he loves it that they're not looking at him as a threat. They're looking at him as a player that they can learn from. So Devontae Adams, he's saying the right things. And also another thing that I mentioned on yesterday's show about the potential in this Raiders team, I feel that they can make some noise, that they can be a threat to all those teams that are considered con- contenders. And he said it right now potential is nothing until you put the work in and that work in the Raiders are putting in it right putting it in right now in a couple of weeks training camp and then preseason let's do this Raider Nation this is Raider Nation Radio 920 AM the JT the Brick Show you want to call in this is your final chance 702-365-9200 
I'll be all right. It was, uh, I got caught underneath L. Obviously, uh, be some pain, but I'll be all right. Figure out how it feels tomorrow and get ready for, uh, for Friday. Wardell Stephen Curry, the leader of the Golden State Warriors. He took a hard hit yesterday in the fourth quarter, and a lot of people were asking, will he play? Will he be available? Well, the reports out of Boston, it seems like he's all right, that he won't need an MRI, and he's a go for tomorrow, game number four. The Celtics have a 2-1 to lead in these NBA finals. They want to be NBA champs again and take that lead of most titles in NBA history. They will do so if they win two more games against the Warriors. So on social media today, a little snippet of the following episode of The Shop, a LeBron James produced show on, it used to be on HBO, now it's on the Uninterrupted uh, Network. He said the following. Check it out, Las Vegas. I want to own a team. Buy a team? Yeah, I want to buy a team. That's it. There for you sure. Go. There you go. Buying a right. team and then talking is a little tricky. Uh, if you own the team and like... Yeah, I would much rather own a team before I talk. I want, yeah, I want a team in Vegas. Good for you. Oh, yeah. I want the team in Vegas. That was LeBron James and his business partner, Maverick Carter, in a conversation that will be aired tomorrow completely with that episode. And it became interesting when at the beginning he said, I want to own a team. I think everybody that knows sports thinks that LeBron wants to own a team. But then the kicker was him saying, I want to own a team in Las Vegas. That's when everybody was like, wait, what? All right. We all think that the league is coming to Vegas, right? The association and baseball and MLS, everything is coming to Vegas. After the Golden Knights started it off, the Raiders kicked it into full gear and showed the city and the world that Las Vegas Definitely works as a sports town. But now the biggest player in the NBA since Michael Jordan is saying that he wants to own a team in Sin City. That's big Las Vegas. That's huge. And imagine Las Vegas having an NBA squad owned by, in my opinion, the only person with similar power to the commissioner of the league and LeBron James. And believe me, I'm not a LeBron guy. I'm a Lakers fan. He's with the Lakers. I don't follow Lakers basketball as much because I'm not a LeBron guy. But him owning a team here in the home of the Raiders, this city is going to be bananas for the, the months, the seven months that the NBA season lasts. It's going to be crazy. We've heard the reports about the former AEG uh, lead man now in charge of a project that they want to build an arena in the south of the Strip. Uh, southern, more. Go, go further of the Strip. It's not directly on the Strip, but they want to build a casino, a hotel, an arena, a little bit of everything. And we already got T-Mobile. We already got MGM, but they want to bring more to Las Vegas. If you're complaining about rent prices, is over here if the nba comes believe me it's gonna be even more expensive 
Raider Nation, that's it for today here on the JT The Brick Show. I'm Harry Ruiz. Thank you for tuning in on this Thursday. Coming up next, Q, he's live with Unnecessary Roughness from 2 to 5 p.m. from Raiders headquarters. And tomorrow, don't miss the morning tailgate and inside the huddle with Clay Baker, Heidi Fang, and Vinny Vonsignor from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. What a great mini camp mandatory for the Raiders it was this week. Next week, final two days of OTA and we'll have you covered from beginning to end. Raider Nation, thank you for tuning in. Have a fantastic Thursday. We'll listen to you here, noon to 2 tomorrow.